the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today, we're going to talk about the temple. We're talking about the temple because I feel like we talked about Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. But actually, I feel there's some really key lessons we can learn from the temple. So we did a series, which I couldn't even begin to plug into all the stuff we did before because there was so much content. It was crazy, but you can find it on our SoundCloud and it was called Artifacts. Now, the artifacts are the different key items kept in the temple, which served as one visual aids, but served actual purposes for the people in relationship of who they are and God. He created these visual artifacts with them because he delivered them from slavery in Egypt, brought them out. They were all institutionalized, like you get when you're in prison for a long time. You get free, you don't know who you are, you don't have your identity, you've lived within a system where you had no choices, where everything was done to you and for you and they are now free and they don't know who they are he gives them the law of God through Moses at the mountain it's their identity it's their DNA it's who they're supposed to be it's who God wants them to be it's how they live in relationship to him and then they have this they become this nomadic people heading towards a promised land that has been promised to them but even in that state of being mobile there needs to be some structure because these guys have lived within a state of absolute chaos and abuse for a very long time now so these artifacts all played significant roles i'd really encourage you to take some time this week listening on our soundcloud to the artifact series you can go on soundcloud and type in the search bar artifacts and city hill and you'll be able to find the playlist and listen through those a series of those talks but the temple is not just a place full of visual aids but a place where God will make himself known to his people and then the thing that we're going to focus in on today is there's a thing that the apostle Paul says he says or in, in, in a statement he says or do you not know that you are the temple of the holy ghost now when he says you the problem we have when we read the book in English is it wasn't written in English. Now, you in English can be singular or plural, but when you read it, sometimes it's hard to see the text for what it was originally meant. And so when it was originally written, it was written as you, plural. So a lot of times today, we read it and we read you as in the individual, but it's not. It's the collective church together is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we all play our part, but it's not an isolationist thing, but something that's in all of us being together. And if we are the temple of God and the temple of God is how he makes himself known, then that means God wants to make himself known through us, in us, and with us. Um, And so we're going to look at a couple of different things. So we're going to look at John chapter 2, because we're going to look at Jesus in the temple. Jesus in the temple. So in Moses' time, quick recap, they had this nomadic people. They didn't have a temple. They had a tent that he lived in. This had the artifacts in. In David's time, they've been established in, the, in in Israel for a long time now, and he's like, you know what, God, I don't feel it's right that everyone else has these beautiful, luxurious homes that are getting more and more plush, and you're in a tent still. God was like, I've never asked you to do this, but David doesn't even end up finishing it or doing it, but his son Solomon builds this huge, elaborate temple for God. In the end, God accepts the temple that he builds for him. It was never his t- plan, his intention, or his demand, and consecrates it for himself, and it becomes a key focus yeah, you're right. It becomes a key focus for their identity, for who they are, and their everyday living. So then Jesus, when he was on the earth and walked the earth, this temple was still a focal point for their community to the point where he was taught in the temple as a boy. 
and he himself taught in the temple as a boy. Age 12, there's a passage in the Bible where he's speaking and the other leaders of the time are all kind of being shocked about the ideas, the way that he thinks, the way that he sees the world. And so he taught there, he forgave sins there, and he also healed people there. But then Jesus did something quite interesting. He cleansed the temple itself. So John chapter 2, verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. So the Passover is remembering Egypt, remembering their deliverance from there. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade or as others are translated, a den of thieves. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So the Jews then said, it had taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So this is a strange one. So he goes in the temple and he cleanses it. It's a weird one. It's the time of year of Passover. So if I, the statement I said at the beginning was true that the temple was a place where God made himself known, there were different rules and ordinances that were observed for the different areas of the temple. So there was a point where you could go where you couldn't go. There were things you could do, things you couldn't do. You could go to the, like some people could go into the holy place. Only one person once a year went into the Holy of Holies, where most of the artifacts were, which is where God's presence was believed to be, which we spoke about a little while back. But this place where Jesus is, he's in the outer court, and he starts clearing the place out and turning the tables over. Now, the outer court would have been the only place that anyone in this room today, if we were alive then, would have been able to go. We wouldn't have been able to go anywhere else. This was the only part of the temple that was specifically and intentionally designed that the Gentiles, which is those who are people who are not Jews, were able to go and explore and connect with God. And so this people group at that time at Passover had so prioritized capitalizing and making as much money on the sale of animals to be sacrificed that they had decided and had such little regard for people like you and I that we would be able to come and integrate and connect with God that they had filled it up full of these things to profiteer. And so Jesus was deeply disgusted that this people didn't have an outward-focused mindset, that their focus was inward and on themselves and what they could get and not looking outward, that he cleansed the temple and he turned the place over. And then they said, what sign do you show for us for doing these things? Because they're like, you shouldn't be doing this, so what are you going to show that we think you're legit? And he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. So the irony here is the thing that he's pointing to is the fact that actually God never requested them to build this temple in the first place. He accepted it and he allowed it but the temple that God did build was Jesus his son and that he was going to raise him to life that he was going to be the means that we could come and interact with God they had all these rules and regulations and sacrifices that took place to bring people to God not alienate them from God these people have built up walls and barriers that push people away instead of bringing people to Jesus was so I guess, consumed with rage about this and zeal for his house would consume him because he was the house and that actually his mission was to bring you and I and to connect us to God. They decided to prioritize things that pushed people away for their own benefit and their own consumption. I guess sometimes you and I can be the same and we're called as the temples of the Holy Spirit to make him known 
not to make ourselves known and not to consume and gain things for our own selfish gain. And then what we find is we find that the people throughout history were sent these reminders by God about the holiness of God living amongst the people and what it meant for how they conducted themselves and how they interacted with one another. And what we find is with the temple, and also with the tent, it had to be in the center of the people. So even though they were nomadic, as soon as they put their tents down for the night and they were going to stay somewhere for a period of time because God would lead them and guide them, this one would be in the center. And not only would it be in the center, you had to keep a certain distance around it. The idea was a constant reminder that God is holy, that though he is among his people, that though he is with his people, he is set apart from his people. He is not included in your nonsense. He's not included in your foolishness. He's not included in the things that you do and the constructs within society that we do that like this people group in that temple that had to be cleansed out and create the space again because we fill it with our junk. There was a point in time when the temple was built that there were rules and regulations and laws just like we have today about when you build things the proximity towards other things. So even if you build an extension at the back of your house, you have to get permission to make sure that it's not going to infringe on the light that goes in naturally to other people's windows, etc. All those things have to be approved. Now with the temple, there had to be a distance that was kept that made the point and the emphasis that this temple is holy to God, this temple is God's, and we keep our distance. There came a point where one of the prophets had to point out, hey guys, have you noticed how close your houses are getting? Have you noticed how you keep making your houses more and more grand and you're now infringing on the area that should be kept holy around the temple? And they're building things right up against it, all over the place. And there was real kind of judgment for that. But then the Apostle Paul, which is what I want to look at today, is he serves a reminder to the people because actually if no longer it's a fixed building because it doesn't even exist anymore. It was built on Mount Moriah. There's a mosque there now. But it was where Abraham took Isaac to be sacrificed. That's where they built the temple because the sacrificial system was about being right with God and about his trust and relationship. And actually, the angel said to Abraham that God himself would prepare the sacrifice, and he did, and it was his son Jesus, which is why he had that indignation in the story, that in the passage we've read before. But then Paul highlights this thing. So 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, he says, All things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me but I will not be dominated by anything food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other the body is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute never or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with them for as it is written the two should become one flesh but he who is joined to the lord becomes one spirit with him flee from sexual immorality every other sin a person commits outside his body but sexual immoral person sins against their own body or do you not know that the body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You're bought with a price. So Peter talks about this price. He says, you were not bought with perishable things like gold or silver, but you were bought with the imperishable things of the blood of Jesus, the lamb, spotless and unblemished, taking the symbol to the sacrifices in the temple. And Jesus, who John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When we look at this passage here, Paul gives them a really timely reminder because it, the church in Corinth, there was all sorts of crazy, crazy sexual immorality. Um, if you read through both the letters that he writes there, there was stuff happening in those churches that were just absolutely messed up. Uh, and, and the thing that he writes them to remind them of is to tell them that, hey, you guys together as a collective, 
you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like the temple had to be consecrated, had to be kept, and the space around it has to be kept for it to be kept with this, with God living among his people and being there, the same has to be said for you and I. I remember years and years ago, there was this girl I used to chat to online in, in Boston, in America, when I was a kid. And she was really cool. And we had like really good friendship and stuff. And I remember like talking to her about God and about Jesus and stuff. We had this really cool conversation. She started dating this guy. And when she started dating him, uh, me and him got chatting online because me and her were friends, me and him got chatting. And she had kind of a faith, but now she's dating this guy and the faith wasn't really so much there anymore. So I started sharing faith with him. And I remember one day, I can't remember how late I was up. I was up so late. Me and him were just chatting and chatting. We were having such a really cool deep chat. And we were just talking about, about God and I was talking about the gospel and about what God had done in my life and his grace for me and how he'd forgiven me the things that I'd done, how he cleansed my heart, how he cleansed me out and created this new space for him to be there and to do these extraordinary things in my life. And there was some pretty cool stuff that was happening at the time. And as I shared all this with him, he was like, I want some of that. I want to experience God in that way. I want God to live in me. I want to feel his peace and his presence. And I remember we were on AOL Instant Messenger. This is old school. This isn't even Facebook chat. This didn't even exist then. We are on AOL Instant Messenger. Me and him had chatting. And I just told him the gospel and I told him about Holy Spirit can come and live within us and how we don't have to feel lonely anymore, how God's presence can be there. It's the most amazing feeling I'd ever experienced. And I just said, I want to pray with you for you to experience that. And he said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. So he prayed this prayer, typing it to me. And I was typing to him things I was praying for him because it wasn't even back in the day we were doing microphone chat or anything like that with proper typing everything out. So he's typing out this prayer and he comes to faith in Jesus. Then I'm typing out this prayer I had for him. And then all of a sudden he just starts typing everything in caps. He's like, this is crazy this is amazing I just feel this presence here I just feel this presence inside this is the greatest thing I've ever felt I've never experienced anything like this this is off the chain he was like whoa it was this amazing amazing crazy moment where there's no alcohol there's no drugs and he's experienced the greatest high he's ever experienced in his life the next two days later me and him are chatting again and he is experiencing what I can only sound like the greatest come down of absolute all time and he has no idea why. And we're talking and talking and talking and I'm like, okay, well, what did you do when this stopped happening? What happened when all of a sudden you went from feeling this most amazing buzz, this amazing lightness, none of the heaviness, none of the sadness, none of the depression going on. What was it you did that this went away? And then he was just like talking about stuff like normally for his day and stuff like that. And then he gets on to talk to me about like pornography. And I was like, oh, well, that's it. He goes, well, what do you mean that's it? And he goes, well, I was like, man, if, if you want God to, to like live in you, to be there, there's some stuff. He just, he's just not going to be around. He's not going to be around that. Don't get me wrong. He'll love you. He'll forgive you. And he'll always come back in when you invite him. He'll always live with you whenever you want him there. But like, if you want to experience that, that's just not going to stay in the same space because they're not, it's north and south, polar opposites, magnets. They just, they repel. It just doesn't work. And it was really sad because actually he was like, you know what? He goes, you know what? This feeling is better than anything I've ever known, but like, that's my go-to, man. I've got to have that. And so he just went away and did whatever he wanted to do. And so Paul has this moment where he wants to remind this people where he's going, listen, you've been given something so sacred. You've been given something so good. And I want you to know that all things are lawful. And you can do all things, but not all things are helpful. Not all things are going to build you up. Not all things are going to allow God to flow in your life in the way that you want him to. There are some things. And I feel today with the way that society talks about sexuality like it doesn't matter. The way that sexuality can be so weaponized and people can look past it. 
the way that even like with all the stuff in the news about Prince Andrew and Epstein and then Weinstein and any other Steen that's out there or Steen or Stain on society, all these things are there. And it feels like so often when we talk about the Bible, we talk about, man, this is some backward stuff. This is some, no, this is some cutting edge stuff for here, for now and for today. Because actually the thing is, you see, we want to become one with God, but then we want to become one with everything else around us as well. And actually we're never going to experience the greatness and the goodness of God. And I don't mean just having some spiritual high and some amazing feeling. He had that. That's cool. But actually I'm talking about something of lasting and internal significance and worth. And you can't trade that for a microwave meal. I think at the moment in society, all we ever want to consume is microwave meals. We don't want to wait for something that really sustains us, for something of real significance. And I believe that actually we may be for all of us individuals in different ways. Paul highlights this one because that's the issue in Corinth. That's not to say that's the only issue. I highlight that guy that I chatted to all those years ago from the States. That's his issue. But actually there are so many different variants and things that we do that we stop to give space and holiness to who God is and keeping things in its proper ordinance that we just allow these different things in our life to compile and drown out the space for God to be around us. And we just fill it with things. And sometimes what it is is the same as in Jesus' day it's the selfishness of selfish gain and putting our desires ahead of everything else and charging in with the disregard of the effect it has on those around us in the community and the wider community I'm going to pray for us today Father I thank you that we have these illustrations I thank you we have the reminder of the people in the Old Testament when they started to build their houses disrespectfully overlapping an area where they needed to keep it holy not just like it made a difference for you, you're in heaven. The fact you've chosen to have a space with us on earth, that's fantastic and wonderful, but it didn't really infringe on you. It infringed on the space that they needed with you to hold them in the correct place, for them to be well, for them to be whole. They were, they were harming themselves by their actions. Father, I pray that you would help us to hold things in our life in correct balance. Father, I pray for the areas in our lives where we just overwhelm and bombard things like hyperconnectivity, constantly on social media, never allowing a space of holiness for you to be with us and for us to have holy moments with one another in true, deep, meaningful friendship. All of these things, we feel like they're meaningless rules that we don't need, that we don't need Sabbath, we don't need rest, we don't need space, but actually we're not robbing you, we're robbing ourselves. And you've put all these things in place for our well-being and for our goodness and for us to be whole. Father, I pray today would be a day where we start to look at these messages, where we start to realize, God, we are losing some of the sacredness because we have no space that's left that is holy, that we don't leave any room, that we don't have any part of our week where we just remove stuff for the sake of having a clear space, because that clear space, it keeps us holy. It keeps us in a good place of well balance and being good father we pray also for the areas in our lives where lord actually it's not just we filled it up and there's no space we filled it up with trash that is so messed up and causing us and others around us harm father we just pray like jesus in the temple would you come and would you cleanse us father would you come and cleanse me of the areas in my life where i've just filled it with so much stupid junk that i shouldn't have that i don't need and i don't want that I would have a space that is holy for you, holy for me, and that the world would get a better version of me because I've kept it holy for you, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. 